Live with Ryan Reese from Southern California. This is Live with Ryan Reese. Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. The intro that just happened is always so long. I, I feel like I have to wait forever for it to go through. Mom, good to see you. It's nice to be here. It's, uh, I'm excited to have you on here because, um, you know, a lot of people have heard your story many times. You've had your, your book that came out and the name of it. My husband, my, my maker, maker, the Lord of hosts is his name. That was the second book that came out. And the first book that came out with dad's testimony is Fear to Freedom. Fear to Freedom. And mm-hmm. there was a movie about your guys' whole life. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people around the world have heard that story, have read that book. But there's a lot of stuff that maybe could be in your in your personal book, but a lot of people don't hear about it because I think more people hear about dad's story more than yours because dad's the one that's out speaking all the time. Exactly. So I wanted to bring you in the studio, and I interviewed dad recently, and I got to the bottom of how he grew up and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do that with you as well. So let's just let's just talk about this. Um, I know that you were actually born in the United States. Yes, on furlough. I was born on furlough. Okay. It's it's a long, um, mm. arduous, and yet blessed journey yeah. that I had growing up. Um, my parents were missionaries. They were called to be missionaries at a very young age. My dad went to uh, Open Bible Standard Bible School. And in those days, that was in Nebraska. In those days, they taught them to leave all, and, and not even to marry, just go out to the unreached regions of the world. And that's what my dad was out to do. And that's the story I heard my whole life was we're going to the unreached regions, people where nobody, places where nobody had ever gone. Okay. So with that said, what were these areas? Because what what year was this? That was in the 40s. Okay. So what were these? 1940. What were these unreached areas in the world at that time? For missionaries? Well, um, there were places all over the world, but my dad in particular heard a little um, missionary from Argentina, and he was crying and saying, somebody please come to South America, to Argentina, to the Green Hell, which is where Uruguay, Paraguay, Argentina, and uh, Brazil meet. Okay. It's where yeah. the Cataratas of Iwasu are. And supposedly there, it was an unreached region. And so he heard that and he answered the call. And so he went to California because he heard that there was a great big revival going on there with Amy Simple McPherson. And so when he got there, he met my mother and she mm-hmm. was leading interdenominational youth rallies. And was this she, downtown LA? Downtown LA, yeah. My dad, my grandpa had a church called Calvary Temple mm-hmm. and it was an offshoot it, uh, from um, Amy Simple McPherson's church the four square. Mm-hmm. And so my mom was leading these interdenominational youth rallies. She was only uh, around 18 years old. And my dad was very impressed. He thought, wow, this young woman is doing this. And although he had planned on going single to the unreached regions, she had been called um, as a very young woman. She was kneeling, always giving her life to God. And a young man like you mm-hmm. put his hand over her head. I don't know if I'm young. I'm, I'm 43 now. I'm that's true, but you'll always be young to me. <laughs> and he put his hand over her head and he said, I'm calling you to the land south of the Rio Grande. Mm-hmm. He said that three times. And then he goes on to say how she will suffer these untold things. And so she always knew she was called south of the Rio Grande. So my dad shows up and she was engaged to somebody else, but he didn't want to be a missionary. So she was going to break it off, which she did. 
they met and in a snap, they just connected. And my dad said, would you like to go to reach the unreached regions of the world? So when he asked her, was this, he liked her or was he just asking her? I mean, he had something for her at this point. He said when he saw her, he saw an angel coming in dressed in white. Right. My mother said so she didn't like, look like an angel dressed in white. But anyway, <laughs> but she says he never said, I love you. I'm attracted to you. He just said, will you go serve with me? Yeah. And that's all she cared about. She wanted wow. to go and serve. She thought, here's a handsome young man, loves the Lord. He's going to give his life. And what's important about their call, which I really want to stress today, is that it was for a lifetime. It wasn't just to go do a little one-hour tour or two hours. And I grew up knowing that when you give your life to God and when you have a call, it's for a lifetime. It's the call to reach the lost for the rest of your life because that's what God's called us to do. And it was interesting back then is because when you would want to go like overseas or not even overseas, but like down to like, say, to this place, the green hell in South America, what was the process? How would you even get there? Because it's not like being a missionary now, just jumping on a a plane. Right. What was the process back then? Well, it was very uh, complicated. Uh, What they did is they, um, after they got all their packing done, because they got married almost immediately after they met, just a few months later. And then they went to um, Corpus Christi, Christi, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In Texas. Texas. Yep. Yeah. And that's where the ships would arrive. Really? All different types of ships. And it was during World War II. Uh, Jim Elliott and his wife and them were in Ecuador. Mm-hmm. And we were actually in South America when he was martyred. And we knew about them. We knew that they were there. And my dad was out to do the same thing. Go. And if you're martyred, you're martyred, whatever. But you go and you serve the Lord. So there were they, like, tri- like Indian tribes that were like cannibals, right? Yeah, that, yeah. that's where that uh, where Elizabeth Elliot and them went. But my dad had heard about Argentina, mm-hmm. the Green Hill, so he was on his way there. And my mother was like, "Let's do it." So they were waiting for any any kind of a freight train, whatever. I mean, um, ship to ship. pick them up. Well, the ship they were waiting for was sunk at war. All the ships were being used Dang. in the war. Even oh, the Queen yeah. Mary was used in in the war. Wow. And so then another ship was supposed to come and it never showed up. So they so finally how long were they waiting there for months, months. Yeah. So um, my mother said she would play chess every day, just waiting. They're looking because that's how you traveled in those days to travel on an airplane was luxurious right. was, you know, it was something people with money traveled on airplanes. Right. We always traveled on planes. I mean, on ships. ships. And so finally they did have to take a plane and this plane stopped in every single port going all the way to Central America dropped them off in Colombia. That was the end of the road for them. Got it. And so when they were in Colombia, they did what all missionaries do and always did is they would go visit mission stations. So they went and met, um, met some missionaries down there, met a lot of different missionaries. And they told them how there were all these places in Colombia that they didn't have to go to Argentina and they didn't have a way to get to Argentina. Right. There were all these places uh, in Colombia where they could, um, Get some land. One guy offered a thousand dollars for a piece of land on the top of the freezing cold Andrews Mountains, and different ones offered things. But they ended up going to this one place where they said it was the jungle. Nobody had ever spread the gospel there, and it was El Secreto, Colombia, which is right in the heart. It's where the Amazon start and the Andes end. So, so. to get to get there. How are they even okay? Because oh, they're in Bogota, right? The main they, city. They land in uh, well, they they landed uh, elsewhere, but they went to, to Bogota, Bogota, and they they had to go on trails, horse trails, yeah. and these horse trails were to the jungle, two to three feet wide, yeah, and they're next to rivers, and uh, there are so many stories. My mother talks about stories when they were going on a horse trail, and maybe a nanny or somebody just fell over. 
with a horse. This actually happened into the river. And the nanny was hanging on from a, a bush. Just the typical story that you see in movies, you know. That's and the, crazy. The horse went down. And so they finally, by horse trail, we have pictures of that, ended up in this place that was, she. my mother said she saw this hill and these two giant rivers, because Colombia is the land of many rivers, mm-hmm. they just crash right in front of the mission. And she goes, that's the place. That's right, because there... Those two rivers do meet together right that, before the big the bridge. And the Lingupai, you've been there. By the bri- that bridge, the, the connector at the bridge, yeah. right? And and those days there wasn't a bridge. They just, yeah, just a big they, they would just on a cord, on a cable, they'd take them across. How long did it take them to get there? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, you're talking days. We're weeks. talking days, and they would spend the night with their hammocks in the jungle and little tiny huts and places. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's all it was all jungle there. Okay, so all... now they get there, and our you know your mom and your dad are yeah. white. And now they're in the middle of the jungle. Yes. So what what happened? What was that? What was the so response? So I what what I'm always just so amazed at is the fact that they arrived there and they just thought this is where we're going to live and this is where we're going to raise our family. Mm-hmm. And by mule train, they started bringing in the brick, everything they needed. They cut down the forest and out of the wood, uh, they made the mission out mm-hmm. of brick that the mule trains would bring in mm-hmm. on these little skinny trails. A lot of times. The mules would end up in the river. Wow. And um, and so they just started building the mission. Now, the people all around there had been visited by the priest, the Catholic Church. And as in many places all over the world, the Catholic Church uh, would become the was the enemy of Christians. And so in the time that they were there, they actually had a letter that came from Rome that was brought to, and we have that letter, that was brought mm-hmm. to that region and somebody brought it to my parents, and it said there, eliminate all Protestantism in the area. Why? How come they wanted to get rid of all the Christians? Uh, the Christians, because the Catholics wanted to dominate. These are these are those real um, Catholics that go out and they kill in order to have people. Because a lot them. of that stuff was happening too, even before that in Europe and and all over the yeah. world. Yeah, and and what they were doing, the priests would go. We have pictures of a lot of this. Uh, well, we have pictures of all of it. Um, they would go out and they'd put holy water on the people and say, go out and kill in the name wow, of Jesus. Heavy. And so they they lived under that. But they didn't arrive like um, Christians coming to save the world. They arrived like people just coming to help and educate. So they started a school. Yep. There's no school in that area for little kids. And they would teach them whatever they needed to learn. But also they taught them the word of God. Yep. And they hired people from all over the jungle to come and work there. The cook. The teachers, everybody. We have pictures of all that. Yeah. And my dad had learned how to pull teeth and he'd learned how to do small operations. Mm-hmm. And so people, a lot of people called it the hospital. There was nothing around there. Like one guy got bit by a snake and my dad literally, literally put Novocaine in his arm and cut his arm off. Um, and so they just thought he was a doctor, but he would call doctors and say, what do I do? And they taught him how to pinch the, oh my goodness. the blood. So he was known Amazing. as, and he'd pull teeth. Yeah. And in that, uh, my mother um, gets pregnant with her first baby, yep. little Rachel, and she uh, rides horseback uh, on her way to Bogota on all these dangerous trails. And when she arrives in a certain little village, she ends up losing the baby there. Just from the intense horsebacking. Yeah, no, no hospitals, nothing. She just had the baby by the side of the road with help from the natives around there. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, and they buried the baby there. there. 
Yeah. And oh. so we, she went back and they built apartments and things over there, but they built, they, they buried the baby in the heretics graveyard because the graveyards were for the Catholics and the Catholics didn't really have churches there. They were just priests that would go out and tell everybody you're yeah. a Catholic and anoint them. And they didn't really know anything, put holy water on them. Yeah. So she lost her first baby there. I thought that was just interesting that because like I said at the beginning, they had a call for life. They didn't even dream of going home. Yeah. They, she just lost the baby. She said she thought this is what happens here all the time and it's happened to me. So then she, they, they were continuing to build the mission a little bit at a time, mm-hmm. cut down the trees and with native people all around helping them. And the people, of course, loved it because it was a school. Right. So the priest and, and the people that were against us, there was a revolution going on there right. that started in the 40s. It turned into what's today the drug uh, revolution. But in there, it was Got a it. revolution with two factions of the government. Okay. And so... Um, so during that time, so they, they got, they're building the mission, the Slowly, school. and people, they and, couldn't touch the mission, any rebellious people, because it was a school for the kids, and the, and the people would have turned against them. Right, right, right. It's kind of like uh, Jesus' days. No one wanted to touch Jesus because the, the people would turn against them. Exactly. Same, same concept. Exactly. So now, what, so you're, you're not that much younger than your sister. Oh, no, actually, so then sh- my Shirley sister, was next. Yeah, so my That's sister right. was born, and my mother went. She got pregnant with her, and then she just went early to Bogota very carefully, and had the baby in Bogota, and mm-hmm. she was born okay. And then my parents came to America yep. on a furlough. They used to call it a furlough. About every five years, missionaries would go on furlough, which means you come to America, and you stay here for about a year. Oh, really? That's yeah. what that is? Yeah, okay. just so that you, you, you don't get it. A lot of times, people can just get kind of sapped into the the life where they live. Yep. And, and it was just to remember who we are. We're Christians. We're missionaries. We're there to share the gospel. And they'd visit people. We got to visit our cousins for the first time when I was yeah. four years old. I got to see my cousins. So um, they just, so, I, you, so, wait, I, so, I, so my mother born, got pregnant while they were on furlough. And, that's and I was born here. here. Wow. But then we, came, we went back on another furlough when I was four years old. Got, got ahead of myself. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I... So when you get, so you went back after the furlough. Yeah. So and we, then what was the process after that? Because I know that they came to the mission. So we, we went back and we basically grew up in the mission. I have pictures of me barefooted running around and mother would take us down to the river swim, uh, to swim in the river every afternoon. And my mother taught school and had a nanny take care of us while she was teaching school. Mm-hmm. But the, they started killing, uh, getting closer and closer to the mission and they started killing Christians everywhere, all around. And they would use, the rebels would use religion to kill, and the priests would use the rebellion to kill anybody who was anti-Catholic. Everybody just used each other just to kill. kill. And so basically, my mother talks about a friend of hers who had long blonde hair, and she was drugged by the streets uh, with her long blonde hair because she was a Christian. Christian. Uh, There's a pastor that my mother talks about. I have hundreds of letters that she sent to my grandma. There's a pastor that they went in the church and they cut him up in pieces and handed the piece, the pieces of his body to the people that were there. There's another pastor that was buried up to his neck and asked to. Yep. So a lot of stories like that. And I share that because my parents weren't going anywhere. Nope. They just thought this is where we've been called. And my mother with her babies out in the jungle well i know because you guys are you're white you're in the middle of the jungle 
Exactly. And you guys are the only white people probably out there at that time. Mm -hmm. So you guys stuck out like sore thumbs. Yeah. But yet all this persecution stuff was going on. And I know that they actually showed up at the mission and imprisoned your dad. Yes. And your mom. Right. So how'd that go down? No, just my dad. So there came a day. My mother actually recorded this word for word. She was having a birthday party for my sister. It was November 8th. And she was having a birthday party. And she wrote to my grandma and said, they're across the river. Wasn't that easy to get across the river? They're across the river and they're coming this way. Some of them had to break up the birthday party. She told all the kids to run home because uh, they'd hear that they would go into villages and just rape and kill yeah. and whatever. So they knew they were coming to the mission. And so um, they, they came to the mission. And long story short, they accused my dad of being a rebel. And uh, took him prisoner. They took my mother, put her on a plane, trying to put her on a plane without her babies. And she took no off way. running and said, I'm not going without my babies. So she ran up to the mission because they, they had an airplane field there. And this is that this whole scene is just Yeah, crazy. it's an amazing movie. Yeah. <laughs> and it, I mean, it would make an amazing movie. And so she got her babies. And my only my only recollection of Columbia is I'm getting on this plane and the plane floor is filled with human blood. And my mother held us both in her arms and she said, don't worry, we are with Jesus. We are in his everlasting arms. She always said that to us. Mm -hmm. No matter what we went through, we always knew we were safe. And uh, and the, the colonel was beating up on one of the soldiers and his mouth was all bloody. And that's the only recollection I have. Right. So she got How old were you at this point. Uh, I'm four years old. Four years old. Yeah. So she got flown out and my dad got taken prisoner. He stayed with the mission. He was going to die there. And they burnt the mission. It was all made out of brick, but all the doors and windows were wood right. and the floors were wood. So it went up in flames. Uh, just years and years, eight, nine years of, of work. And they took him and they put him in a prison in Via Vicencio. They actually put him with other men from the area in chains. You know how they yeah. put them in in chains. And carried him across the Andes Mountains on Andes foot. Mountains. On foot. Not the tall Andes Mountains, but oh, okay. the, from, the from, um, from the mission that's kind of high in the mountains, yeah. not too high in the mountains, and then across the plains into Via Vicencio and put him in prison there. That is crazy. And that's another long story. Yeah. My dad shared the gospel in the prison with all these guys, and um, they wanted to let him out. They would let him out at night, and then when the prisoners went out at night, they'd shoot him. So my dad said, I'm not going out at night. And my mother had people come from America and they got my dad out, but he would not go out at night. He waited till the daytime and he, he, he got out at that time. Um, and it was just, um, we grew up hearing these stories, but we grew up knowing that our call was for a lifetime of service to the Lord. And if we perished, we perished. And if we lived, we lived. There was never that we have to go home or we're going to die. Yeah. Um, the mission did tell my parents they didn't want him to go back because they figured they would be killed. Right. But my parents waited and but, but the whole place is burnt down at this point. It's burnt down. But they were going to go back and rebuild. Right. So what, that, what happened? That, what that was, was the next a, step from there after they got so out? So they waited in Bogota for a long while. And then um, they realized that they couldn't go back. The government was saying, we won't protect you. Everybody has to leave. They're killing everybody. Uh, and so they left. And just for the listeners, this is not anywhere you could get too fast. When you're out in the jungle, I mean, I, I was going up there in the 80s in like uh, buses and 
and four wheel drive Jeeps. And it would take hours and hours. I mean, like six hours just to get through there and you'd get stuck on the road. I mean, the government can't just show up, you know, send some cops over. It's, it's a, it's way gnarlier process to even get there. So, yeah, this is in the heart of Columbia. If you look at the map, uh, one side is all high Andes mountains. The other side is Amazons, yeah. rivers and Amazons and animals. And, and so this is in the very heart. And it was before there were roads. That's what I'm saying. Before no there was electricity, water, anything. Um, so then they went back to um, America, mm-hmm. but never with the intention of staying. Yeah. They were lifelong missionaries and they were that till they died. And um, some missionaries in my dad was looking to see where they could go while things settled down in Colombia so they could go back. And so this missionary needed help in Jamaica. So he went there for a few months. And I remember that going to Jamaica. And my dad was serving in Jamaica for a few months until something opened up where he could go serve. And the Lord opened the doors to go to Chile. And his call, he always knew, was South America. And it was also Argentina. So he thought that's close to Argentina. And my mother's was south of the Rio Grande. So they went to Chile. And it was totally different. Chile's, not that Colombia wasn't beautiful, but where they ended up in Chile was a city. Right. A big, beautiful Spanish city. Just a beautiful place. And they they wanted to work interdenominationally there. So because they were in, in, in town and there were other churches there. So they started a Bible school in Chile uh, so they could work uh, with all the churches that wanted to come and study there. And so we were in. So how do you, by the time you get to Chile, are you like 12? Four. Oh, you're still four. Yeah. So this was all during that one time. Oh, yeah. They they were life, lifelong missionaries. Okay. So I remember. But you spent a lot of time in Chile, though. Another nine years. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. So, and like I said, they were never had any intentions of ever leaving being missionaries. They they just said, wherever God takes us, he takes us. While they were there, they um, planted churches in all South America with the students from the Bible school. They also had a day school like they had in Colombia. Planted churches in every country. And my dad would travel to every country, including Argentina, mm-hmm. including to the green hell where he had wanted to go originally. And um, they just, we have pictures of all those churches and me as a little girl standing there yeah. with all these people from Southern Chile to Northern, the driest desert in the world is Northern Chile. In the north, huh? yeah. the South is filled with volcanoes. It's most Chile's the most beautiful place. Yep. And, and my dad always had a call and my mother to work with the poor. Yeah. I remember going down there. Yeah. And my dad was asked to be the overseer of all South America by uh, the church of God, um, which was the, the one in, um, not in the one in Anderson, Indiana, but the other one. And so, but he never wanted to do that. He never wanted the politics of church. He just wanted for him sitting up in the Andes mountains, having a cup of mate with a bunch of Indians. That was life. And you wow, know, that's you know, where I get that from then. You know, I your, don't want the you politics. know, your grandpa. Yeah. No politics. No. So, but what was interesting about Chile is that they, the church bought a house that had been, uh, there had been a demon possessed not just demon possessed he was like a witch that like lived a there. warlock they call him a warlock so mother as she to her all that was normal <laughs> because we'd gone through a lot of very strange things in Colombia, and also there what was happening in the in this so house? when we got the house my mother took us through the whole house and she told us there was a guy here a warlock 
and he she showed us he had a room with these little squares and in it were plants like maps and if you opened them up it was a picture of a demon he would see these demons and he would draw them and my mother showed us these drawings wow of these demons and she told us we have nothing to fear so they took everything out burned it all anointed the entire house with oil and my mother's and dad's bedroom was on one side of the mission and Shirley's and my bedroom was on the other side of the house. So I want, I, want to, the house. I want to explain something. When we talk about anointing the house with oil, we're not dousing the whole house in oil. No. You're just, uh, just for the listeners that, you know, are learning yeah. how to anoint houses. You basically get the oil, you know, um, you just dab it on your finger and you touch each corner of the room and then you basically pray. And because the, the oil oil represents the Holy Spirit and you say, God, this is your home. In the name of Jesus, remove anything that is dark, anything that is not of you, and just split the sky and send your Holy Spirit and fill this house. That's you, how I grew up. You pray. Yeah. You anoint the house and pray. And, and you can do mother, that now in your house. And and I did that with you kids growing up. Yep. I did that when I felt strange things happening in the house. I did that in your bedroom a few times. <laughs> uh, yeah. I still do that in my bedroom <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> um, so, so you guys anoint the house, and, and then we have all. Was and, there still supernatural things happening? In, yes, and like they would they would have all night prayer meetings. Yep. Um, and my mother would put us to bed, and she'd say, "You have nothing to fear." Truthfully, my sister and I were scared to death. Of course, but she'd anoint us with oil. She says, "The Holy Spirit is with you. You are His. Nothing can happen to you, and you are safe in this room." And she'd go out of the bedroom, and they'd go, and we could hear him praying down the hallway. Um, the only thing that I ever heard was, well, a few things that happened is uh, different ones would talk about different things, but we heard furniture moving, Yeah, you know, up and down the hallway. Um, and we didn't move. I pretty soon we'd hear my mom and my dad and the different Bible students out there praying. Uh, we heard the bell. We had a bell upstairs that we'd ring for lunch. Mm -hmm. We'd hear the bell ringing all by itself. The scariest thing that happened to me is my mother left us with some, um, caretakers some some of the students yeah. one night because she went to teach and my dad was gone too and she left us in the house and it seemed like a big house to us we were little yeah and i heard somebody knocking at the front door and so we all went running we were kids we're running sliding across the hallways and open the door and there's nobody there but the weird thing is to get to the door there's like a hallway so there's no way this person so we closed the door yeah. and, and then we we heard the knocking again and we opened real fast and there's nobody there. And I was chill running up and down. So we did the same thing my mom and dad always taught us to do. We just started praying. In the name of Jesus, get out of here. This house belongs to us. It's not yours. Because my mother would taught us how to pray. Yep. You know, the Holy Spirit lives here. We are his. You're not welcome here. Goodbye. And and we just do it. But, you know, we'd, we'd have fear too. But I also remember my mother telling us that we couldn't listen to ghost stories. Yes. <laughs> and they had ghost stories. You know, no TV in those days. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. They had true. these ghost stories and you'd hear, ooh. So when my mother would go to bed, we'd put the ghost stories on and, and oh, we, we'd just scare ourselves to death. And then we'd be praying. <laughs> like, yeah, really? You you're disobeying that? mom. Did you hear that? You're disobeying mom and you're praying. She never knew. I don't think she ever knew we heard those ghost stories. I don't know. TV Los Fantasmas. At that That's what it was called. Okay. So <laughs> we, we, have about, we have about two minutes before we go to the break. But, um, so here you are, you're in Chile, and you you got in this house, the demonic stuff ended up leaving. Yes. And then you got into junior high. You got into junior high before so you my, left Chile? Um, we were, my mother was homeschooling at the time because we, the other, the persecution we went through in Chile yeah. was no, Colombia. in Chile. 
was oh, there's different. persecution they there too. They made fun of us for being Christians, and they hated Jews. And if they knew we were Protestants in Chile, in Chile, they would spit on the ground in front so of us. Christians and Jews. So we were being when they had Catholic class in class, they'd throw us out in the rain. So no my mother way. took us out of school. Just radical high. back then, huh? Oh yeah, no, they hated Christians. So my mother took us. We I never told anybody as a Christian. I was afraid to. I just mm. would. Everybody just thought it belonged to a weird religion, you know. So, yeah. um, anyway, so my mother took us out, and she was homeschooling us for um, junior high. And then my mother decided, and I always say my mother because she was with us 24-7. Yeah. My dad's traveling all over South America. My mother decided that we and my dad, that we needed to come home because the girls, Shirley and I, needed to learn English. We needed to know our family, and we needed to have a few years of American education. Right. And my mother's plan was that we would go to Bible school one day. So she was thinking of us. Yeah. But they continued their missionary work by reaching out to Mexico for 20 years. Reaching out to Mexico? What do you mean? They served in Mexico for 20 years. Oh, so they just went over the border. Yep. So they just kept doing border I have runs. 20 years worth of pictures of all the work Mexico. they did in Mexico. But sending tapes and books and things yeah. all to all the churches in South America they had planted. Mm-hmm. That is so interesting. An amazing life. Amazing. So, so, so what, what, hap- what happened with the uh, the Bible school? They they left it there? They left it to another missionary. Yep. And but the dream in their heart was to always go back. And my mom and dad would go back and visit the churches in Chile. Mm-hmm. They went back to Colombia several times. My sister went back and built a church in Secreto. Mom, we are going to break. We are with Sharon Reese in studio. We'll be back right after the break in two minutes. More live with Ryan Reese coming up. Is everything all right? Sure. Call now. 1-888-564-6173 or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, I think I speak for the entire administration when I say whoop de doo Now, back to Live with Ryan Reese. Don't say we didn't warn you. All right. Well, we are back from the break. Um, I think my headphones came unplugged because I didn't hear us come back. But welcome back, Mom. Um, basically, what's going on is uh, – so right before we went to the break, we were just talking about how your your parents just left Chile. Chile. They wanted you to get education and bring mm-hmm. you back to America. So what was, the, what was the process of you guys leaving? I know you guys ended up leaving the Bible college to someone other pastor. Yeah, we there. left some missionaries there. And then the idea was to never leave the mission field, that we would come back and get educated. And my parents would continue visiting the churches in uh, Chile and going back to in all over South America, actually, and then going back to visit the mission and possibly rebuild it someday so it could be used because that property was given to my parents. Yeah. Uh, And so um, the idea was to go back and uh, rebuild it. So I always heard that, you know, we're going to go back and. When the Lord opens the doors and we're going to rebuild that place. So you've heard this growing up, but then when you come back, you get plugged into American culture. We got plugged into American culture. We did our um, junior high, part of our junior high and high school here. Um, And it was just a beautiful time here in America because in South America, we'd learned, we went to, we didn't go to special missionary schools. We went to the regular schools where everybody goes. So the history down there was about Spaniards, Spaniards 
raping the Indians. It's just a horrible history. Yeah. And and then we come to America and and I and here I learn about the pilgrims and that they were Christians and and America had a Christian foundation, just such a beautiful heritage. And then I met all my family, mm-hmm. which mother always kept us in contact with through letters. And when we would go home every five years, we, we met our family. So we got to attend my grandpa's church, Calvary Temple in Los Angeles, right in the heart of L.A. Yeah. And uh, what's it called? Um, Angelus Temple or something? No, they were in Angelus Temple, but then they, my grandpa started his own Calvary Temple. Okay, got it. They were three. Angelus Temple, Bethel Temple, Calvary Temple. My grandpa okay. was Calvary Temple. Awesome. Big church, huge church. Uh, and we were just so blessed to be around all these people that were related to us, mm-hmm. that were our blood, and they and were all Christians. Yeah, your your whole side of the family, they're all like they're all pastors. They were all missionaries, pastors, uh, not all of them, but most of Mo- them. A lot of them. We'd though. get together, and I just the most beautiful memories. My grandma would sit at the piano and she'd sing about Is heaven. Is this grandma cop? Yeah, she'd sing about heaven, and she's the first one that introduced me to that eternal perspective where I was thinking before I thought I'm going to die in South America somewhere, but she would say heaven's so beautiful. And she wrote a song, some golden daybreak. We shall see Christ break through the heavens with power and glory, some golden daybreak. So she'd make us all get in a circle. We'd all sing together and she'd talk about Jesus and his coming back. And, and that eternal perspective she put on my heart is what has guided me through my entire Mm -hmm. life. And is guiding me today yep. as I face the things I'm facing today. Yep. So just that whole thing about being with Jesus forever and ever. Just a different perspective. In South America, I was learning Jesus is with us and he's going to keep us. And here I was learning, hey, eternity is going to be really cool. Mm-hmm. You know, so and she taught us to bake and and just homemaking things that that uh, were just so precious to a young girl like I was, an aunt that taught me to sew. And it was just a beautiful time with family. Uh, I was li- had lived in a mission. In a yeah, mission yeah. House. Oh, it's a whole different di- whole different dynamic coming to America. Yeah, and I remember we lived in this little tiny house behind my grandma's house, and it was just like a one-bedroom house. Mm-hmm. We'd actually have to put out a cot to sleep, and it was humiliating. We're in America, but we're living in this little house, and I was used to living in big missions. And I remember I didn't want any of my friends in school to know that I lived in that little house. Yeah, I wanted to think I lived in the big house where my grandma lived. <laughs> Just kind of a little thought. No, that's, that's it was good. That's it was very, good for me. That's very yeah. interesting. And my mother decorated it beautifully. And it was just humble, very like, like poor people live, you yeah. know, but it was very decorated, very beautifully. The church gave us furniture and it was just really nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and we got educated. You're, so you're, you're in high school. So my, we're, we're in high school and my mom dad, and dad right? had taken us to visit all these Christian colleges across America because okay. she wanted us to be Go educated to in Christian colleges. Yeah. So we're in high school and, um, my plan always was that I would go back to the mission field. Um, it was, it was my life. It was my home. America was like where you go have fun. It was beautiful. It was great. But I would be going back. I would go to Bible school and I would go back to the mission field. And uh, then I met dad. <laughs> how, yeah. So now how did this go down? Because I interviewed him. <laughs> what? Uh, How did you guys meet exactly? <laughs> uh, I was um sophomore. We were both in school, freshman, sophomore, in high school in Belknap Park. And um, 
I just saw this Spanish looking guy and I was very attracted because I like Spanish boys. Yeah. And uh, he would just smile at me and look at me up and down like he liked me. And I thought, OK, he likes me. And, mm-hmm. and I thought I like him, but nothing, nothing yeah. happened. I mean, yeah. And I, I would see him get in fights, but a lot of kids got in fights. Mm-hmm. So to me, it was natural. So there and I just didn't think much of it. But I thought, wow, every year, sophomore year, junior year, senior year, I dated other guys in between. I had one boyfriend that I dated a lot. Um, cause I was just young and I had no intention of marrying or anything. I was on my way to Bible, Bible college school, and yeah. to be a missionary period. So then, um, my senior, he escorted me to homecoming. I was the homecoming princess and he just took me home and dropped me off after he didn't take me out to dinner nothing. So I thought, ah, he's not interested. So that was it. And I, like I said, I was on a mission and that was to be a missionary someday. So he, um, our senior year mm-hmm. for the uh, graduation party, we went to Catalina. He gets on the bus where I am, and he sits right next to me. And so, so this, wait, this is the senior trip. Senior trip, and I'm thinking, what is uh, with this? Do you have a boyfriend? You don't have a boyfriend at this time. No. So we spent the whole time together on this ship, hmm. and he's trying to kiss me, and I'll, and I'm just like, I don't get this guy. He had four years in high school to pay attention to me, and. So I just thought he just wants to be with me right now. Well, then it turns out that he tells me that he's going to be a Marine. So I thought, okay, he's gone. But he gets my address. So we're writing back and forth. So we're writing. And he's telling me, when I get home, I'm going to marry you, all this stuff. And I I would write him, I call him today epistles, probably six pages about God, you know. I can't get married. I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to South America. I'm going first to Bible college, blah, 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 blah. And he would say, you can do whatever you want, but you're going to marry me. <laughs> he's determined he's going to marry me. And he would, uh, he would say, because he was a heathen. He yeah. didn't know God. He'd say, well, I'll just have to get you pregnant, and then you'll have to marry me. Say, you will never. He would say that? You will never <laughs> touch me, ever. And I'd get mad and not write to him. And, and that's, it was yeah, the Bible says, "Be not unequally yoked with an unbeliever." Well, hey, you know what? Honestly, the the reality is that's Messing the way. The world. When you don't have God, you you talk like that. You know, that's exactly that's pretty normal, exactly. pretty standard, pretty standard. Yeah. yeah. So he comes home and um, from the Marines, mm-hmm. and the parents call me because I guess he told them I was his girlfriend, and they call me and we go visit him, and he he comes walking to me in his Marine Corps outfit, Camp Pendleton. Yeah, no, oh. it was up north when he was oh. at the. What was it called? I forget. It, it was where they, they send the guys that they need help psychologically. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't know he needed help psychologically. Mm-hmm. He just said, this is where we come to, so they can get us all cleaned up to get back into society. But he was actually right. there because he was crazy. And so we, we, the parents take me to visit him. I was a nervous wreck because I, I was attracted to him. This guy was after me. And, and I thought, I always thought he was cute. And I just, it's like my future just started going out the window, you know, yeah. like I wasn't thinking about that so much anymore. I was thinking about him. So he comes walking to me and I'm looking at him and I go, there is the man of my dreams. That is my Marine. <laughs> and I just was like crazy smitten by wow. him. But he stayed up there. Yeah. And, uh, and I came back home and I'm still in college, you know, struggling through college, taking as many units as possible, just so I can get through. Yeah, I was, I was going up here to Mount Sac, and mm-hmm. then I was going to transfer right. to Bible College. 
And then he comes home, long story short, comes home on an Easter break. And he tells me that a whole bunch of his friends and his mom and dad were all going to go to the beach on a camping trip. And so I asked my mom, she goes, as long as the Reese's are there and all these people are there, fine. So we all went on a camping trip Well, nobody showed up. Was it a sneak attack? I dad by myself. His mom and dad were supposed to come by, but they ended up staying in TJ. So and everyone was planned to go, but then no one showed he, up. One of his friends showed up the next day with wow. his um, wife. So, so here it is. You so and him on a camping trip. So I get pregnant. So, And all I can remember about that whole thing, seriously, before God, yeah. is I am in so much trouble. I am in sin. God is here watching this whole thing. What am I doing? I'm going to reap to, I'm going to reap consequences. Yeah. So, but then I went into plan B. I've always been a plan B person. Okay. So you blew that. You were an equally yoke. You blew it. I ended up getting pregnant. Christian. And so people that don't understand that, that are listening, if you're a Christian and you're non-Christian is unequally yoke. Yeah. And the Bible teaches not to do not that to be because you yoked. end up in situations like this when these things happen. Exactly. I went into plan B and plan B to me was I disobeyed God. I was unequally yoked and now I'm pregnant. And I said, but I want to bring Rawl to know the Lord because he, it was all about my son. He is the father of my son and I want my son to have a Christian father. And if I can bring him to the Lord, it'll be great. If I can't, that's it. Yeah. So, and I knew I was going to suffer. But I didn't know how I was going to suffer. I just knew this, this is bad. So, um, we plan our marriage. We get, we, we get married when I'm, I think, four months pregnant. And, um, I was just a disaster because I couldn't believe that I was, I got married in off white. I didn't want to wear white. My dad married me. My pastor and my dad married me. My dad walked me up. And the whole time I was just like, this is so bad. I can't believe I've done this. I didn't tell my parents I was pregnant, by the way. Mm. So I can't believe I did this to myself. I've ruined my whole life. My life is over. So we're up at the pulpit saying our vows, which Mm -hmm. I've been brought up that the vows are serious. My mom and dad taught me that, you know, they had struggles in their life, but they kept the vow. And so I'm saying my vows to the Lord and they're giving the vows out of Ruth, wherever you go, I will go, wherever you, my pastor was doing the vows. And Rawls looking at me and he's holding my hands and he's going, wow. He, he's not even paying attention. He looks so good. <laughs> well, you know, and he's using the terms that they use in those days, not cuss words, but just yeah, yeah. the terms that they the slang, slang yeah. about how cool I look. And I looked at him and I'm going, he's not even paying attention to the vows. No, he's not. So I look up to heaven and I, and as the pastor said, wherever you go, I will go. Yes. I was saying him to the Lord. I, I just said him to the Lord. I said, wherever you go, I will go wherever you lodge. I was saying him to Ra. My people, your people would be my people and you, God, will be my God. And then I don't even know what dad did. I mean, he, he said, who knows what he said? He doesn't even, he doesn't even know what he said. And he's, oh man, babe, and all this weird stuff. Well, the minute that he, that the Lord, the pastor pronounced this man and wife, I felt enveloped, just enveloped with light. And I felt pure and clean. Wow. It was the most, I can still sense that feeling of you're mine, you're mine, you're mine. 
Yeah. It was just, That's and nice. I have a picture of that because my, my, um, uncle Herbie took a picture and no you can way. see me. I'm just glowing like this. What? I want to see that. And yeah, I have a picture of that. Well, let's, we have, we have 11 minutes left of the show. Okay. So we do have some, some time. So now here you are, you're, you got married. God showed up at your wedding. Um, you had in this encounter with him. Now, what was the process of now you're walking with dad or not walking, you're married to dad. You have, you're pregnant and how's the whole marriage thing go down? I mean, how does this? Well, long story short, I was taught to submit to your husband as unto the Lord and, uh, and to live at peace. And was it, was it tough during this time? My whole vision was to bring dad to come and know the Lord. That was my whole vision. How long did that take? Four years. Four years. What was the process yeah. uh, for, for people that are, well, li- there's people that are listening to the show right now that they're in the same situation as you, right. a couple of different circumstances, but they're married to a non-Christian and they're like, I got to get this guy or this woman to the Lord. Yeah. Well, I just thought he's my husband. I was unequally yoked. He's my husband. He's the father of my son. I want him to come to know the Lord. So I was in church just like I always was. That's one of the main reasons we fought is because he was in Kung Fu and working 24-7. He had two jobs. Hard worker. Never a day w- without a job. And uh, and he never had time off, so he wanted Sunday off. But I'd say, I can go after after church. Right. So I would go to church with my kids. I'd go in and sit and cry in the pews. But I was always there in church. And I didn't sit there and read my Bible in front of him, but he knew I was a Christian. And mm-hmm. I would always tell him, my sons and I, because then I had Raul and then yep. I had Shane, we, I will serve the Lord my whole life. This is, I told you that in letters when you were in Vietnam, I would always serve the Lord and this is what I'm going to do. And I'd get cussed out. I'd get knocked around. Oh, you and your stupid family. And you know, that's, yeah, yeah. that's to say a nice word, yeah. but I just determined that I was going to serve the Lord. And I, I would tell the Lord, I am yours. My boys are yours. I know that you have forgiven me. I know that you enveloped me with your spirit and you told me I was yours. And so you do with me what you want to do with or without him. Mm-hmm. And I would tell dad, if you want to go and do whatever you got to do, go do it. But I'm going to serve the Lord. He thought I wanted another husband or something. And I go, right. no, that's the last thing I want. I'm just going to serve the Lord. And if you want to serve him, then you know what to do. So I was in church every Sunday. Once in a while, he'd feel guilty and he'd show up yeah. to Don Papano's Sunday school class. And he was teaching on Revelation and dad liked that because it talked about the last days. The end of the world. So, yeah, yeah, the end of the world. So that was like the really huge foundation that dad had that we don't hear a lot about was Don Papano's Sunday school class. Awesome. And he would go and he would hear that. And then one day I, I was in my heart planning on leaving dad. Just because the the, the, whole, the whole home situation I, I was pretty he, bad. I saw that the boys were... Um, Getting affected by it? Yeah. Well, they were watching him be aggressive. He took uh, Raul Jr. one time and threw him down the hallway. And I thought, uh-uh, he's not going to abuse my boys. He yeah. can throw me around, but he's not going to throw the boys around. Yeah. And so I had told him, I'm going to go up north and live with my sister. I'm going to go to Bible school, go back to the plan that I had, yeah. go to Bible school, and you're welcome to come and see us whenever you want to. I don't want to get remarried, but you need to walk with God because he was always angry, always, you just want me to be a preacher. And that's not what I want him to be. Like I said, he was a Kung Fu instructor yeah. and I went to all his Kung Fu demonstrations with the kids. I loved it. He talked about going to Mexico and starting Kung Fu studios. And I thought that'll be cool. I can be a missionary in Mexico while he does Kung Fu. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I, I was into being faithful to my husband. That's just the truth about it. And so, um, so we were in that where I was thinking I had gotten a job, uh, to help out with the home with the Kung Fu studio. And I got a car. Raul bought me a car. Dad bought me a car. And I thought, I'm going to go. And he was so worried that I was going to leave. And so one night he was just angry and he picks up a gun and he's, and I didn't know any of this. And he, he just said, I'll just shoot her and shoot shoot the kids and shoot. he was just furious because yeah, he felt angry. I was going to leave and go with another guy. That's yeah. what he thought. And he didn't want anyone else to have and he says, his Nobody's going to have my wife and nobody's going to have my kids. Yeah. So I'm sitting in church on a Sunday night and he comes running through. I see him through the left aisle and goes up to the platform <laughs> and I went running out and went home and locked all the doors. Well, I found out later that Don Papano, our Sunday school teacher, laid hands on him and anointed him to the first service. Dad had accepted the Lord watching Chuck on TV, not knowing who Chuck was. Yeah. For years. Chuck Smith. For years, Chuck and Kay said, but we weren't on TV. And Dad would say, I saw you on TV. Well, he was with Catherine Kuhlman, who was interviewing the hippies, an evangelist in those days. And that's why Dad saw me, accepted the Lord, and he comes knocking at the door. Everybody knows that story. Yeah, yeah. And I was scared to death because I didn't know he'd accepted the Lord. And he says, I'm born again. And I'm- so what, what was going on in your head at this point? He's going to kill me. And I, I was thinking, He's I, lying. He's I kill have me. Yeah. to leave. Yeah. I just thought, I have to get out of here. Then it turns out I'd get up in the morning and he's he went and bought this giant, when he says giant Bible, it's one of those family Bibles that's not thick. Massive, yeah. Holy Bible. Yeah. So he's on his knees reading and I'm thinking, what? You're like this phony. guy. Exactly. <laughs> this is the phoniest thing. And I, I was scared. I go, this guy's cuckoo. Yeah. He's lost his marbles now for sure. Yeah. And he's praying. <laughs> yeah, and he's, but then he called my sister, Shirley, I'm born again. And my sister believed him. He calls my mom and dad, I'm born again. And I thought, what does he know what a born again person is? You know? Yeah. And I, in my book, my husband, my maker, yeah. I described a whole page of what it's like to watch a, a new believer, and it is just amazing wow. to watch him just evolve into a Christian. And, and you know, I know we're going to be ending this story soon, but um, you do have that book, My Husband, My Maker. Um, and I think a lot of the listeners need to go and get this copy of this book because it's way more intense. And we yeah. only had a little bit of time to even talk about this stuff. Right. But um, check out My Husband, My Maker by Sharon Reese. Where, where can people even get this? Um. Actually, you can go on Amazon and get Am- oh, it. Per- yeah. That's even best. Barnes Amazon and Nobles has it. Ama- no, Amazon's the spot. has yeah. it all. And we have it here yeah. in our bookstore. Yeah, Calvary Center. Chapel. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, we still have more time, but I want to make sure yeah. I want directed people to But I brought that up because I tell of that experience. Yeah, yeah. That born for again sure. experience. It was just, there's I didn't lot, believe it, but. There's a lot in the book that people I need saw to it read. happening. It's beautiful. It's just beautiful. So, okay, so dad is now transforming. He's reading. He's transforming. Right. And, um, so and he's you, going you're to church with how, us. Yeah. So how many years? So what was the process from there? So you, so he so we're going to Sunday school. We didn't yeah. know who Chuck Smith was. We mm-hmm. didn't know who this guy was. Yeah. And my mom says there's these hippies that are down in Costa Mesa. Maybe you know Rob would like to go there. So Dad goes, let's go check it out because hippies were popping up everywhere in parks, having Bible studies, and Dad would take me, and I just thought. I don't want to go there. I want to go to my church, which was the Assemblies of God in Cabina. And I wanted to go there to my Sunday school class with Don Papano. And um, so we're going to all these parks and these these guys are doing weird things. 
you know, like they're trying to knock people down, like in the spirit, they're pushing them down and dad would go up, dad would go up to see if it was real. And he'd hold his ground, you know, (laughs) so funny. And I go, why are you coming here? This isn't real. So my mom tells us about this tent. So we go to the tent and it was Chuck Smith. And I heard the word of God and it wasn't Chuck Smith. It was these hippies. And I had my two boys then you weren't born yet. Yeah. And in sleeping bags out in the grass. And I was going, this is it. This is so good. Because they're just simply teaching the word of God. Yeah, but we'd go every Sunday morning mm-hmm. to Sunday school with Don Bobbino mm-hmm. when he was here in Revelation. And he started a Bible study in the Kung Fu studio. Yep. And it just started growing. And then we had to quit going to the to the uh, Sunday school class because we got too big. So we started meeting on Sunday morning in Dad's Kung Fu studio. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when I interviewed him, he was talking, talking about yeah. that. Now, I have to tell you, it was just everybody talks about what a great, wonderful time this was. For me, it was the most normal thing. I wasn't thinking, oh, wow, the hippies. Oh, wow, our revival. To me, it was normal everyday normal Christianity. Were, yeah, because yeah, we'd, we'd gone to the Billy Graham Crusades and all kinds of things. My yeah. mother took us to everything when yeah. we were here in the States. Well, it was, it was so all, to me, it was like, wow, this is cool. He yeah. really did accept the Lord. Because you, know? you guys were doing mission. You guys were missionaries. Yeah. And now you're here and dad finds the Lord and now it's all a new thing for him. And that's how the whole church started. I know we only have like two minutes left, but from there, the, he was, he was teaching Kung Fu and he started playing Chuck Smith CDs because he didn't know how to teach at that time. And people started getting saved. Yeah. And by the the thousands. Yeah. And then the church started, he had like a church of like 4,000 from that point on. My life was my babies. And then I came into the scene around 1975. And that was my whole life was my babies. I just, and you lost, I tell you, you you lost two kids in between between, me and, and Shane. Yeah. Yeah. And my life was my babies until there came a day when dad says, Let's go to Chile and Colombia because he'd heard about that. Yeah, because you got to live the dream Long again. Long story short, yep. I got to go back and fulfill my mom and dad's vision. And you guys have been back several yes. times on work trips. I was going with you guys since oh, the 80s. I was going twice a year for many years. And, and that, that burnt down mission is now, now completely restored and it's an active Bible school It's a Bible school, school reaching, reaching kids from the Amazons and everywhere. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and so I've been. Totally and there's another Bible school in Santiago, Chile. We have three Bible schools: yep. two in Colombia and one in in and, Chile. And because of my dad and your ministry, there is several churches all through South America now. Oh yeah, many. Yeah, and we work with Lucho in Peru, Pastor mm-hmm. Lucho. Yep. Yeah, and we're doing um, pastors' conferences, women's retreats, all kinds of things. So, so everything the Lord gave me the desires of my heart. So everything that we've talked about today, where your whole life started out there in in South America. Now Mm -hmm. that is fully operational schools and Bible schools. And there's thousands of missionaries that are being sent out all around the world. And it's basically that whole call that your dad found got when he was, when he was younger. I feel like the Lord gave me my mom and dad's call, you know, and I got to go all over South America and now people are, the churches are sending out people. Uh, My big, um, heart desire today Mm. is that my grandkids come to know him the way that I got to know him and that they serve the Lord the way that I've gotten to serve the Lord. It's my big focus is my grandchildren. I have eight of them. Well, you're doing three are yours. You're doing great. You're doing great. We have 20 seconds left. Is there any, any last words you want to say to people? Follow Jesus. He, he is, when he says, I am the way, the truth and the life, he means it. He will, you know, a lot of, we say a lot of times the Holy Spirit showed up, Jesus showed up Mm -hmm. in the beginning, they showed up and they've been here ever since. 
Jesus has never left me, ever. The Holy Spirit has never left me. He's always with me. Always. Always. Leading, guiding, teaching. Um, Just amazing. Just follow Jesus. You've heard it right from Sharon Reese's mouth. Mom, thank you for being on the show. Thank Love you, you guys. for having me. with Ryan Reese. To connect or find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for Live with Ryan Reese. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? I mean, you are called by God, and aren't we all praying the big prayer, Here I am, Lord, send me. So if we put two and two together, you've got a message to deliver, my friend. Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, art to make, or businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. I use my mic like a machete, so if you don't like to get your toes stepped on or pushed off cliffs to finally jump on in with Jesus, I may be too much for you. But if you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com today.